This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. So we're traveling through this book, uh, Old Testament little romance novel called Ruth. And it's a romance that's uh, just, we're going to see the beginnings of it uh, today, I believe, uh, between Ruth and a man by the name of Boaz. Ruth is a widower, and she's come back home to a land that she wasn't born in, following Naomi, her mother-in-law. I shouldn't say she came back home. She's come back to a foreign land with Naomi. And we have been talking about, previous to this, becoming the right you. In other words, when you enter into relationship, there should be a lot of preparatory work Uh, that um, you need to become the right person because too much emphasis is played on they need I need to find the right person I need to find the right person well that's a half truth because the bigger half I think is that you and I need to become the right person there's not enough um, trenching digging up rooting out and planting in our own life uh, before we go looking for the right them well we've talked about that before now today we're gonna look at the right them and we find Ruth has gone to glean in the field by coincidence of the man Boaz. She doesn't know this man is the near kinsman, the near relative of Naomi, the mother-in-law who she's followed back home. We're going to pick up in verse 4 now <clears throat> because verse 3 said it so happened that she happened to be in his field. Uh, nothing just happens. Verse 4. Now behold... Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Now let me just say this about this little exchange and give, me a, give you a little understanding how what I want to say about this verse and what's going on here. Our character is revealed by our crew. Our character is revealed by our crew. Now, people in authority, I'm a person in authority. Those of you who have businesses, you're an authority. You're the lead person at work, you're an authority. You're the office manager, you're an authority. You oversee a crew somewhere, you're an authority. <clears throat> well, your character and who you are is revealed by um, what others think about you, what others say about you. Now, I can draw a strong conclusion here that when he walks in and says, may the Lord be with you, and then all these reapers, his workers, and they say, may the Lord bless you. Now, you you see a great exchange here. So that has to tell me that he's a good boss, that these guys like him and he likes them. That's a good thing, guys. That's a good thing. I mean, you can always tell, uh, well, how your employees or the people underneath you, what the, how they feel about you, that's a pretty big giveaway of what your character's all about. Now, let me give you the bigger picture of what I like in this verse. It says <clears throat> that he came to the reapers. Well, where are the reapers? They're in the fields. So, well, therefore, logic says Boaz is walking in the fields. He's walking among the reapers. He is with them. I like that. Because Boaz comes from Bethlehem. He's the man from Bethlehem. He's a picture of Jesus Christ, isn't he? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He walks among them. Didn't God walk in the garden 
uh, with Adam and Eve? Absolutely. Didn't God travel with the Israelites through the desert in that tabernacle experience? Absolutely. Just Didn't Jesus show up and walk among men? Well, yeah. In fact, let's take a look at that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Now, it's a famous statement, you know, one of... Um, Old Testament prophetical names uh, given to Jesus or titles. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, the prophecy quoted by Matthew <clears throat> um, uh, back from uh, Isaiah is this. He says, uh, Behold, and by the way, Matthew used a lot of Old Testament scriptures because Matthew's writing to Jewish people to prove that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he fulfills the scriptures. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And she'll bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated, translated means God with us. So Jesus would be called Emmanuel. In other words, he's going to stay. He's going to remain. God with us. He's going to remain. And not for 33 years, crucified and see you later, alligator. No. Forever. See, um, you have to think of Jesus in the present tense, not in the past tense, not in the future tense. He exists in the present tense with us. I like the fact of something I read uh, by an author or a commentary years ago. They said, if you think about Emmanuel, God with us, what's Jesus' middle name? With. <laughs> I like that. Jesus is with us, and he's always with you. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Now, let's go to Hebrews, and I want to show you something else about this whole idea of with us. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12. I, this is a really cool little thing. I know I've shared it before. Uh, let's see if any of you remember it. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12 says this, talking about Jesus, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of of the congregation, I will sing your praise. What? Let me tell you what that means. It means congregation. When we all come together in fellowship and we sing and worship God together, which is an important element in your faith and mine, it says that Jesus is in our midst and he's singing praises to the Father along with us. Isn't that something? That Jesus, when we come together to sing worship songs, that Jesus sings with us, question, what if you really believe that? What if we really believe that? Would it change the way we approach a worship time? If you knew that Jesus joined in and said, let's all sing together, that he's there, would it change it? He's with us. And I like the fact that Jesus, some of the last words he said to the disciples when he said to go and take this gospel to all the nations, and then he finishes off by saying, and lo, I am with you always. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. In other words, he's always with us, always with us. And that last part of it was the Great, the great Commission. Go share the gospel, because I'm with you wherever you go. Now, let's go back to Ruth. Chapter 2. So we see him walking in the midst of the field with his employees, with the reapers. Verse 5. Then Boaz said to his servants, now he's got a question. 
said to his servants who said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers. Now there's somebody that he's got as a lead man over the reapers, and he's asking the lead man, Whose young woman is this? So Boaz notices there's this particular woman that's gleaning out there, and the poor people could glean in the corners of the field. So you gotta believe there's other people out there, but he notices her. I like that. But what I want to point out to you here is that <clears throat> he's asking the servant, who is this woman? Huh, that's interesting. Because the servant has no name, no name whatsoever. Now let me tell you what I share at almost every wedding about the unnamed servant. In the Old Testament, in Genesis specifically, we find the story of a man named Abraham. And Abraham wants a bride for his son Isaac. And Abraham sends a servant out. Doesn't give the name of the servant in that chapter. Now, if you backed up nine chapters earlier in Genesis, you find out the servant's name is Eleazar. But in chapter, I believe, 24 of Genesis, when he sends a servant out, they don't give the servant a name. So we call him the unnamed servant. He goes and finds the right woman for Abraham's son, Isaac, it's Rebecca. Because why? Because she be turns into a servant. Because he gives God a little bit of a fleece. You know, if she feed, she waters the, the animals. And she does. She's a great servant. And he brings her back. And it's kind of love at first sight. And they marry. Obviously, it's a great end of the story. But think about it. The unnamed servant, as I share in marriage ceremonies, the unnamed servant, who we, we know as Eleazar in the Genesis story, Eleazar means God is help. Oh man, Jesus said one of the names and one of the character qualities of the Holy Spirit who is with us always is the helper. And that's something that the Holy Spirit, if we allow him to, can be instrumental in finding the right person for us. Men, and he could be instrumental in finding the right wife for you. Ladies, he could be instrumental in finding the right husband for you. That's right, because he is God is help. Now, the way I can possibly, I, you ever seen that movie? I'm a movie guy, you guys know that. Uh, you ever seen the movie Hitch? Uh, Will Smith and uh, Kevin James? It's a funny movie. But in that movie, Will Smith, he's the, like the, he brings lovebirds together and he's trying to help these guys who are pretty much not very good at communicating with girls, etc. And, uh, he sets up the circumstances to bring them together. The girls never know that there's an outside source involved in, in getting them to know this person. And he, he brings them together, they fall in love, and they get married, and, and they're very thankful to him. Well, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. Those girls never know the Holy Spirit's involved, in a sense, like Will Smith is, he's hitch, and he brings people together. That's what the Holy Spirit can do in your life, in my life. Now, in verse 5, when he says, whose young woman is this? That's great. You know why? It's the first time he sees her face. It's like the first time ever I saw her face. So he sees her. Now, let me get let me get your let me get a clear perspective on this for you and for me. She is not dressed to the T's, my friend. She doesn't have all the makeup on and her hair's just been done, her nails are perfect. Uh-uh. She's in the field and she's dirty and she's sweaty and she's stinky. That's right. I remember one time, uh, first time I went to Israel, um, about 35 years ago, I was in a, what's called a kibbutz, uh, 
long story short, long people come together, they all work together uh, to be able to help each other, no matter what uh, field of work that they do outside of there. It's a kibbutz, and I was in the elevator, and they would rent out rooms, and we had one of the rooms, and uh, I was in the elevator one time with some Europeans. Yeah, Europeans. Well, these particular Europeans, I'm not saying all are like this, but these, uh, they seem to like the orga organic kind of earthy smell on bodies because, man, it did not smell good in that elevator. And I know it wasn't me because I showered, put deodorant on and everything else. And, man, I, I wanted to just hold my breath the whole time because it was pretty potent. <laughs> well, I imagine that Ruth here, she's pretty potent. She's dirty, stinky, sweaty. She's been working all day in, in the field. Now, when he says, whose young woman is this? Now, I want you to think about this, because it's a very important issue here. She could have, if you go back to last week's Bible study, she could have stayed home and just sit there and, woe is me, you know, uh, you know, everything's going wrong in my life, and stayed with ne uh, her mother-in-law, Naomi, who's already a bitter woman. Let's stay bitter together, but she doesn't. She gets out, gets in the field where other people are gleaning, you know, and she's, it's a social environment. Never forget that. Never, ever forget that. She went out and she's serving out there, serving. She's going to glean for her mother-in-law. It's a social environment. And that's where she meets him, in the social environment. Now, let me say something about social environments. We're in the middle of this self-quarantine, and it's, we're going on now our sixth month of it. And um, there's, a, let me, you know, there's so many different angles on this. And I know, listen, if you take one angle on anything, somewhere you're going to be wrong. And if you jump to conclusions on anything you hear, you're going to be wrong somewhere. So just please understand that. So I'm going to take one angle of this whole thing because there's multiple angles. But a lot of people are isolated right now. They're not out there in the field serving or living or whatever. And it's affecting. And it's affecting. Let me give a personal testimony. About two weeks ago, I finally uh, talked to my wife. I said, Some, something's not right with me. I, I just feel like, um, I don't know, I'm down or something. I don't know what it is. And I said, I, I thought about it, Olivia, and I thought about it, and I realized this. And this is what I really knew, I, I understood about it. Is that I told her, I, I said, um, I said, the way things are right now, this is not what I'm geared for. I'm not geared to come in self-quarantine. I'm not geared just to be behind a camera. I'm not geared for that. I need to be out in the field. I need to be out doing something, serving, in, in communication with people face to face. This is not good. It's not good at all. No matter how you slice the other parts, that is not good. Because God said, not you, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So no matter how you slice all the other pieces of what we're going through, it is not good to be alone. Period. It's not good for humanity to be alone. Period. We were never created for these things. So be wise, my friend, and be careful with these things. Now, verse 6. The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman. So here's the servant's describing her. Who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. Now, let me tell you what this means, the beginnings of what it means. Someone is going to fill in the blanks to someone else about you. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. Someone is going to fill in the blanks to someone else about you. Someone might inquire about you, and this person, whoever they are, is going to fill in the blanks about you to that person. <clears throat> now, I know 
not, no matter how good we live, not everyone is going to say a good thing about us. I know, I got plenty of haters lining up, man. You, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we live in the day of Yelp. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm a public figure in a sense. I say things out front. Man, people, you know, our culture is the offended culture. Unless we find a reason to be offended, we're not even existing anymore. Yeah. But uh, not everybody's going to say something good about you. But, you know, I think 95% of the people should be able to say good things about you if you and I live right. I, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Makes sense to me. So um, there, uh, this person's going to fill in the blanks. <clears throat> when he says, oh, she's the young woman that returned with um, Naomi, he's really saying, well, she's a, to Boaz, huh, that's a near relative. Because remember, he's the kinsman. He's the goel. He's the redeemer. So that really perks up his hearing right there. <clears throat> so she's the young woman who has returned. Now, Little side note in verse 6, the servant was in charge of the reapers. Mm. I like that. The servant we could picture as the Holy Spirit, who's over us, who are the reapers. The reapers are the ones that go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation and bring in the harvest of people. We're called to go. We're in a go series on Sundays right now. We're called to share our faith. And I hope this past um, uh, Sunday's message uh, really meant something to you. Verse 7, and she said, please. Now, now he's describing what this Ruth said to him, said to the servant, and, he, and she said, please, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She'd been there all day doing this. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. No, it's a little while, not all day. She's not lazy. She'd been out there working all day. Now she's taking her little break right now. <clears throat> I like that. Now, <clears throat> the character reference of her life is now continuing because now the servant of the reapers, he's sharing more about her. Isn't it interesting that if you get a job in any, most fields now, they're going to do a background check on you, aren't they? They might even do drug tests on you, don't they? They check all kinds of things about you. Friends, they even check on Facebook to see the things that you post, you write, everything like that. They want to know what you're all about before they're going to hire you. It's interesting to me that we do all these background checks for these things, but when it comes to a lifetime partner in marriage, we don't do the background checks. Listen. Uh, this may sound facetious or corny, but I, it's just true. Some of us do more of a check on a pear or a melon or a watermelon at, at the supermarket than we do on a person. Sit there with the pear, well, is it good? Watermelon, da, 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 da. is it good? We do more checks on that than we do on a lifetime potential partner. Look, you want to get the scattering report. You want to know about this person. Because you make a mistake there, you're going to spend years in that mistake. <clears throat> now, here's what I like what the servant said. He said, you know, Ruth said, please. She said, please let me. She could have demanded and commanded and said, hey, Leviticus chapter 19, 9 and 10 says that you got to let me as a poor person go, go do this in the field, go glean. She didn't do that. She said, please. She said, could I do this? Um, you know what I like about that? 
because we live in another in, in a culture also that demands everything. I have rights. I have rights. Everybody's screaming the rights. Let me tell you about your rights. You have the right to do what you ought, not what you want. You've heard me say that before. You have the right to do what you ought, not what you want. I think I've stolen that from Abraham Lincoln, but I've said it many times over the decades. Mm -mm. Don't scream for your rights. Have a, be nice. Please. Please. <clears throat> now, she has no idea that she is under the radar, that people are scoping her out and that um, she has impressed the supervisor. You want to impress the supervisor on the job, don't you? Because no one's going to promote you if you're not doing a good job and have a good attitude. If your attitude stinks and you do a great job, ain't nobody going to care about that because you're just going to wreck everything. Good job, good attitude. Good attitude, good job. Put them together because that's what people in positions, higher-ups, look for. If you want to promote, it's up to you. Now, verse 8. Then Boeth said to Ruth, listen carefully. Now he speaks to her for the first time. Listen carefully, my daughter. Oh, my daughter? Why would he say that? Let me tell you why. She's young and he's older. You know, it's believed that he's around 50 years of age at this time. And she's a very young woman. So there's a massive age discrepancy between the two of them. Uh, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go glean in another field. In other words, you stay right here. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Stay here among the women. Don't go outside of this field. Verse 9, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Mm. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Oh, loaded, loaded verses right here. Now, um, this is where I get to have a lot of fun and camp on this. And, and this is where, first I want to say this. Because it's going to be the overarching theme of these two verses. Develop clear dating boundaries. Develop clear courtship boundaries. Now, hold that thought. Let me make a few comments and get into that thought. <clears throat> Boaz is providing glean here. He's protecting. Stay here with the women. I have told the men, they better not mess with you or the hammer's coming down. He is a provider. He is a protector. He's the right guy, man. He's the, right, he's the guy that, you know, if you have a daughter, you want that guy showing up at the door. I'm here to date your daughter. I'm a provider. I'm a protector. Here I am, man. It's the guy you want. It's the guy you want to, uh, if you're a woman, it's the guy you want to meet. Obviously, she's way younger. So there is no hint of romantic interest here. He says, daughter, he knows she's way too young for him. You know, she could be, who knows, 20, 25, I don't know, 30 years younger. She's younger. I don't know how much. There's a lot of speculation on that age. And I, I, I don't know exactly what that is. Now, <clears throat> here's what I like about him. He commands, not say he could, commands. Now there's a command. There's no please in this one because this is getting real. 
He commands the servants, the male workers in the field where she's at. <clears throat> Don't you dare touch her. Don't you dare mess with her. She is a single female, and in that place, she's vulnerable. Don't you dare touch her. Don't you dare do that. There's a lot of application we'll pull out of this, so let's just start right now. There's all kinds of males and females serving in that field. When it comes to church, there's a social aspect to church. We come together to serve together, males and females coming together to serve. Be careful. Be careful because when you meet someone, even in church, and you through serving and you're serving together, Satan can get the best of your emotions. Satan can tempt you. <clears throat> but God has commanded, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Don't touch her. Now, what are you, what are you talking about, Jim? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Let me give you some New Testament thought on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And, and it says this. Verse 18 to 20. It, now watch what Paul, New Testament writer, says. He says, flee um, immorality. <clears throat> hmm. Now, immorality is uh, the Greek word pornea. It's sexual gratification in a very broad, broad sense. In other words, it includes many things in it. But flee it. Don't, don't, don't be partakers of it. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God? And that you are not your own. You don't own your body once you gave your life to Christ. For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, now here's a heavy statement, glorify God in your body. Now when he says God owns your body, glorify God in your body, in other words, <clears throat> God owns my body and he doesn't want me to sublet it out to someone else. Did you hear what I said? God owns my body, and He doesn't want me to sublet it out to someone else. He tells me, flee immorality, which includes the premarital sex whole deal right there. See, He commanded the servant, don't you touch her, don't you transgress, because you need to have some clear boundaries in your dating life. You need to make sure of these things. Now, <clears throat> I know it sounds for some people, that's old-fashioned, that's, you know, antiquated. We have a whole new ideas. I know, we're in the age of enlightenment, and I get it. But we're not better off or way worse off, whether you want to believe that statement or not. <sighs> Let's just be clear and honest. Sexual intimacy is, is, flu is, is fueled by exclusivity. Um, <clears throat> In other words, just one person, not experience. you got to exclude everybody else and just stay with one once you're married. And that fuels intimacy because you get to know the person. Not by, you know, this whole idea, well, the more experience I have, the better it's going to be for me later on. No, 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 no. 
That's a lie. That, that's a blatant lie of the culture, and they're trying to twist the thinking on these things. <clears throat> Let me tell you about love, because society doesn't know what love is about. They, they really, really don't. Love. <clears throat> love does not pressure for sex. Lust does. Love does not pressure for sex. Lust does. Well, you know, Jim, um, okay, I, okay, I, I, I got you right there. I, I'm, I'm with you right there. But what about, you know, okay, I won't pressure her, but, you know, what if it's mutually consenting people, you know? It's mutual consent. She's okay with it. I'm okay with it. Doesn't that make it okay? Mutual consent. Wow, what a concept. I didn't know that overrode the scriptures. But, okay, mutual consent. Mutual consent is not an argument for this. I know someone, I knew someone, who uh, consented to get in the car with their intoxicated boyfriend. He consented to get her in the car. She consented to get in, intoxicated, mutual consent. They get in the car. She's not alive anymore. It was mutual consent. See, you could take mutual, mutual consent and put it in any other place. It makes, it's just dumb. It makes no sense. No. <clears throat> you want to live by what the scriptures teach. And the culture is going to just slam you and slam you as some kind of old-fashioned, antiquated, outdated notion. But it's not. It's truth. And you need to be a seeker of truth, not cultural waves and movements of thought, because it's always shifting. It's always shifting. In 1 Corinthians 7, just read on a few verses here, chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, it says this. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. In other words, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Boaz said, I commanded those men, don't you be touching her. And then verse 2 says, but... Because of immorality, because, you know, some people, you're going to get an immorality. Uh, then each man should have his own wife. Then, you know what? Get married first. And each woman is to have her own husband. So, in other words, if you can't, you know, you get married before you do these things. Just get married. But you got to flee. you got to run from these things. Go back to verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 16. Flee that stuff. Is there any scriptural basis for this? Genesis. Joseph, remember Potiphar's wife tries to grab him. Uh, you know, she's telling him, we're going to have sex today. But she's a married woman. He goes, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to sin against God. She grabs his robe and he runs out without the robe on. And of course, uh, she accuses him of trying to attack her sexually. He never did it. He got out of that place and uh, he goes to prison over that one. But he flee. He ran, which is wise, which is smart. <clears throat> now... <clears throat> As I, as I kind of conclude everything right here, <clears throat> they're in a social setting, which is smart. When you date, be careful. At least watch out for this. If you forget everything, just watch out for this. If they always want to be with you, alone. 
No, I don't want to be around your family. I don't want to be about your friends. No, I, my friends are okay. I just want me and you together. Be careful. Be careful. Because those are warning signs. First off, they may not have relational skills. That's not very good. Second off, those are control signs. And when you have control signs like that, they just want, you want to have control of you. Those control signs tell us that that person has a tremendous fear of loss, of losing you, of abandonment. Therefore, they control. They're tight on the controls because they don't trust. And they may never trust you, even though you've done nothing, nothing for them to doubt your love or whatever for them. Now, let me finish by saying this. Back in, in, um, <clears throat> in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 9, one of the cool things he says, when you're thirsty, he says, you know, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. I like that. You know, I like that <clears throat> because she don't have to do anything about it. But think about this. If you get thirsty, go, go to where the servants have already drawn the water and drink. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> Great question off that. Um, when you're thirsty, how do you quench your thirst in life? Oh, not physical thirst, but life thirst. What do you do? Where do you go? Boaz is a picture of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And now he has the water that will quench your thirst. Where do you go? The Samaritan woman, she comes for water in John 4. And Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water, you're going to thirst again. But he who drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. <clears throat> See, make sure you fill up on what really quenches thirst. What really fills up your insides. Now, <clears throat> what if, let me, and here's going to be another thought. What if, um, instead of going to the water jars to quench your thirst, what if she went and just hanging out with all the guys out there? And, you know, she meets one of these guys and, you know, and they end up giving the temptation and this and that. I have a question on that one. What do you think all those guys are going to be talking about later on that evening when they all hang out together? Her. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, they are. What will the scouting report be on her? Maybe not that good, huh? That's just something to think about. I'm just giving you something to think about. Now, <clears throat> she didn't have to draw the water. The water was there for, it's free from the man, Boaz, from Bethlehem. That's a picture of salvation. Jesus Christ, the one who was born in Bethlehem, the Messiah, prophesied 700 years earlier. He gives us the water free of salvation. And it's up to you and I if we choose to partake of it. And if you've never given your life to Christ, salvation is free. It's free. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when it comes to grace, favor of God in this story, next week when we come together. Well, I'm going to conclude right there. And hopefully... Um, I mean, said a few things scripturally that made some sense to you. Hopefully, maybe put you on right courses. That's our hope because the goal is to make broken people whole. Bad decisions break us. Good decisions make us into better people.
You know, you want to be the right person and then you want to be able to find the right person. Hey, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.